welcome to episode 1194 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, July 3rd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined as always by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good afternoon. It is afternoon. It's, you it's nailed it. Sometimes it's so hard to tell. Especially when baseball is already on in the morning yep. for me, and I miss the freaking lock set down. No league should have the... Like the whole thing your entire locked. roster locks after one game starts. It's In just... 2023, there is no way that should be happening anywhere. I completely agree. That is whack. And you and anybody else who did get burnt by that will be forgiven for not expecting two Monday games. I know it's like a holiday week, but today's not the holiday, and there just aren't usually Monday day games. Now, the Texas series is a wraparound. Is the is were the Cubs and Brewers playing last? On the weekend as well? No, I don't think so. I think the the Cubs Brewers are uh, so they're the, the beginning, beginning of a series. series. Yeah, and it's not in Wrigley either. They usually play you know day games there more often. So it's a day game in Milwaukee to start a set. That is kind of unique. But then, like I said, the the Texas one is a wraparound, and some people might have gotten burned by that. It is a little little off kilter. And I agree though, there should be no format, no outlet where. It locks when the first game starts. It should just lock as the team plays. That's that's terrible. I'm sorry. That has to be fixed across the entire industry. But uh, we do have plenty to talk about. In fact, I mean, we could do a good bit of chatter just on these games here because certain players are standing out. Certain pitchers are getting destroyed. These two games alone have delivered a lot of interest. But we all, have a lot all of four play. pitchers getting destroyed. That's early. right. I mean, like Javier Perez, Smiley, and Tehran. And all yeah. four are pretty viable around many formats. Like people were starting Tehran's two-step, seven strikeouts and a walk, but six earned. There's and, somebody uh, started all like three of these guys. Oh, 100%. Um, and and we're super stoked coming in today. Like, oh man, I'm starting off with like a you know three guys on a two-step, and you know including my ace and Javier, and yeah, uh, things like this is going to be a good week. And then now they're it, like, oh my spoiled. god. I'm already going to start drinking for 4th of July on the 3rd. <laughs> if you've got three of these guys on like a head-to-head, you're already in deep trouble. And Adolis like, just went deep. Boom. Again? Yeah. Well, not not again. To, it's not his second. Oh, no. Just in general. But he has 21. Yeah. He's, he, he's unbelievable. Yeah. It's a good thing I was on him from the jump. Um, I'm, I'm a genius about yeah. that. Yeah. You never had anything bad to say about him. Uh-uh. No. I wouldn't do it. Just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. I did get some pushback <laughs> on recommending Javier across the board. And, you know, we had a little back and forth, the commenter and I. And I was like, you know, I know it hasn't been going well, but I'm going to trust him. They were right. I mean, there's. There's trouble abound here with Javier, and we're going to get to him in a, in a bit when we do three up, three down, so we'll talk about that more. Let's get into some news and notes. Oscar Colas is coming back up for the White Sox. Uh, you know, big-time power guy, interesting rookie. So much of the rookie discussion this year, of course, has been focused on the rookie pitchers, and for good reason, of course. But there have been some good hitters to come up. Colas, in his first stint, 84 plate appearances, didn't go all that well, 51 OPS plus. Let's not even sugarcoat it. It was terrible, of course, uh, when, when you're putting up a 51. But now he's coming back up, and I do wonder if, if they w- should be on the verge of maybe trading like a uh, Andrew Benintendi or something so that the path is cleared for Colas to play the rest of the year. But as it stands right now, is he somebody you're going out and chasing, Oscar Colas? And if so, what formats? I mean, they they can't trade and they can't trade Andrew Benintendi's contract. Oh, that's right. He's got that four year deal, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I didn't even think about that. 
So, uh, yeah. So then no, where's Colas I mean, play? Because you're talking about Benny, Robert, Gavin Sheets with um, Eloy at DH. I guess he could take Gavin Sheets's spot. Yeah, is I he think gonna, he's is thinking, he gonna short side or is he going to kick Sheets to the curb? I think you've got to kick Sheets to the curb. I mean, Sheets is a fun little player and stuff like that, but like he's not a part of the future necessarily. He's 27. True. Like, he's not. You know, but Colos could be. And so I think they need to give Colos some run and see what he can do. He was really, really good in, uh, in AAA. I actually wrote about him on uh, on my Fantasy Pros article over the weekend, uh, posted, I think, uh, yesterday morning. So hopefully okay. people saw that and picked him up because I said, I think he's come back up. He was hitting 294 uh, in the minor leagues. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it's a really interesting skill set. I think the same problems you know, that sent him back down to the minors are still there uh, in terms of, like, can he make enough contact to matter? So, yeah. Uh, 6% homer fly ball held back the power mm-hmm. for Colas, and he is a power hitter. So, like, even if he's hitting 230, if his home run to fly ball rate is more normalized in the upper teens, low 20s, he should be delivering the power. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a definite 15-team pickup. What about 12-teamers with five outfielders? Are you going for Colas there? Um, I think he's in the equation, maybe a bench bat, uh, more mm-hmm. so than at least until I think you should pick him up and kind of see, kind of see, Hey, is he playing every day? Is he in a platoon? Like, is he on the short side of a platoon or is he playing every day? And is he making, you know, enough contact, uh, in order to, uh, you know, unlock those tools. We know the tools are there. Yeah, absolutely. The tools are definitely there for Oscar Colas to be a big-time power guy. But you're right, he could be in the short side platoon, so we have to be careful on that. Uh, and we'll keep tabs on that. Let's move over to a big injury. Jazz Chisholm, again, hurt. Left oblique strain. He's out. Uh, I think he was – wasn't he back for like a week? Like that's all yeah. we got. And mm-hmm. it's really starting to look like this is going to be a consistent thing with him now. We know that guys can turn on a dime with their health, and then all of a sudden they reel off three, four healthy seasons in a row. But what we've gotten to date with Jazz hasn't been great. Even in his breakout uh, rookie year of 2021, he only played 124 games. He got hurt during that season. Last year, just 60. This year so far, 45. And he's going on the IL for the second time here. Nine homers, 14 steals when Jazz is playing. But this is a big bummer. I can't imagine you're cutting him anywhere. Maybe a 10-teamer? I don't know. I don't think I would. What about Jazz with an oblique strain? Are you holding everywhere? And then we can talk about maybe some potential replacements. I mean, I think you want to put him on your IL if you can. And I think this this is a really difficult one because typically oblique injuries, four to six weeks, right? Uh, well, we only have, what, like 12 weeks or 10 weeks left in this season? Is that right? I I think it's 12. 12? 12 or 13. But that includes the all-star break in this week, which, like, so, I don't know. Like, I think you can make the argument to cut him. I don't think I would. Only because, unlike a lot of other guys that might go down with an oblique injury, Jazz has the type of skills, especially with home run and stolen bases, to win you a league in the last month of the season. Like, he could just go off. And so, I, I mean, I don't think you can really cut him anywhere. I think you've got to try to reserve him. Uh, but this is just a bummer. And, you know, I hate to say it, the reason I wasn't drafted him this year, like, he's injury prone. And, like, 
I understand the tools are amazing, but he got pushed up way, way too high in drafts. Uh, do, do you think the move to center is behind this? Because I know there was some chatter on that. He was getting hurt at second base, though, so I have a hard time blaming it on that, but there is that kind of... I know correlation causation, but I think people will be blaming it on the outfield move for Jazz Chisholm. Do you agree with that? I don't think this injury does because I didn't. He, I think he hurt this one batting, right? I yeah, think that's usually it, when the oblique happens. So precisely. Um, yeah. So no, I mean he probably would have had an issue, but the toe injury for sure. I mean that happened like he banged his toe up against the wall in the outfield. Um, like. I, I don't understand why they moved him there. It made the team worse because, like, they already had a bunch of outfielders they could use, and, like, what they really needed was some good defense up the middle, which Jazz didn't provide. Um, that part was a little sketchy. Well, they got a rise. I don't know why they didn't just commit to him at first. They wanted to keep playing Cooper, I guess. They got Joey freaking Wendell at short. I think playing short stuff. Jazz like, yeah. at short, you know? Yeah. Even I, if he himself so, was challenged there. You know, I, I just don't – a guy who has struggled to stay healthy, like why make him learn a new position? Like, no, I, he, I, I, I think that's fair. He was a good shortstop and a good second baseman. Just leave him up the middle. Uh, and, I mean, that some of your most important positions, up the middle, infield defense, especially when you have your star pitcher is a ground baller in a year mm-hmm. where they're not going to be able to shift as much. Like, why make the infield defense worse? Um, yeah. I, I never really got it. But as far as Chisholm goes, like – yeah, you're, you're holding, I think, next year. I wonder if we actually get the discount that we deserve this year. It's going to depend doubt how he do. finishes, though, yep, yeah. because, it, like you said, he could come in September. I'm not saying he's out till September, but he could run off a, a six-week run. He could Mondesi or Buxton us and all exactly. of a sudden. Exactly, and know. then he's right back where everyone is fully bought in on Jazz Chisholm, especially because he's only going to be 26 next year, too. And then the yeah. year after that, he's guaranteed to have a superstar year because he'll be 27. Of course. If you know, you know on that joke. Let's talk about some potential replacements. I think you can kind of have an open board with him because he is infield, outfield eligible. So I'm just going to give some names here, kind of regardless of position, and see who you like. Focused a bit more on the shallower formats, 12s and lower. Uh, what do you think of Michael Garcia? He has a homer and six steals uh, lately with a good batting average as well. Uh, playing with the Royals, he's third base and shortstop eligible. Do you like Michael Garcia as a uh, 12-team replacement for Jazz Chisholm? Yeah, I'm surprised he'd be even available in 12-team leagues. Like, he should be rostered uh, just about everywhere. Only 34% at, at Yahoo. Widely available yeah. for Michael Garcia. And he's leading off. Look, it's the Royals. But lead off on any team I'm interested in because the volume is going to be there. He has 13 steals total, by the way. Those six steals are in the last 14 days for Michael Garcia, the, the, the six steals that I mentioned earlier. So he's running of late and going crazy. I like Michael Garcia. What about if you're going for the outfield? What about Jose Siri? He's surging a bit with four homers in the last, uh, in the last two weeks. You like Siri out there in Tampa Bay? I mean, I think especially if you're looking for, like, you know, a little bit of pop and some speed, you can definitely provide that. The batting average is always going to be an issue Yep. with Jose Siri. He just swings and misses so damn much. Um, and, I mean, does not make very good. Like, he's got some of the worst in-zone contact of any player in the majors. Uh, he makes it work because he plays such great defense. I mean, this is the, like, diet version of Adolis Garcia. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you don't care about your batting average, fine. Because, um, like I said, there will be power and there will be speed. But uh, he's also going to hit ninth in that lineup. 
Uh, like mm-hmm. he's never going to move up from that. Uh, so it eight is homers, that is what it is. Eight homers in his last twenty five games for Jose Siri, but a thirty eight percent K rate with it, uh, and thus a two oh seven batting average. So you take the good, yeah. you take the bad. Take them both, and there you have Jose Siri. Uh, what about Will Benson out in Cincinnati? Looking to get a piece of that Cincy lineup. Two homers, two steals in the last 14 days. Big walk-off, obviously. Since he's on fire right now, are you looking to get into that lineup any way you can? You'll take the 8-9 hitter, Will Benson? Um, I think I would, at least in the short term. I think Will Benson is like the only reason Christian Carstano Strand isn't up yet gotta like, be right because they just don't have well and just Votto's return yeah yeah and, and Votto's return but um like Benson's the guy they would be sending back down yeah um to the minors oh no he's out of years. options well this might be his last option year though yeah no no he well no Will Benson has three options oh sorry sorry you're right In they've OTP, already used I mean they used one okay. yeah in OTP it's different it lists if you see three, that means they're out of options. Obviously, on roster resources, different. Okay. So I was just, I was an OOTP brain there. Yeah, he's got plenty of options. So he could be moved out if they want to call Ben Gunnar on Strand, but he's raking. Uh, three homers, six steals, 129 WRC plus now on the year for Benson in 115 plate appearances. Do you like him enough in, say, a 12 or shallower, even as a platoon guy? He did start against the last lefty, worth noting, but he's been. He's been platooned a bit this year. Is that okay yeah. for Benson um, to just crush righties for you in the shallower formats? I think if you are in NFBC where you have that Friday switch or in daily lineups leagues, yes. Um, okay. In a weekly league, I just hate, you know, unless you can really, like, look at the schedule and go, oh, they got six righties this week or, you know, or five righties this week. Uh, in a six-game week, then yeah, I, I think it would. But Stuart Fairchild's been called back up, um, and he is uh, just—he's a lefty masher. So yeah, um, he—you know—he—they're gonna platoon, you know, Fraley. They're gonna platoon Benson to get Senzel in the lineup, Newman in the lineup. They could put um, Senzel and, and Fairchild in uh, yeah. perfectly for those two. And it was his first for Benson, the first lefty he started against in the last seven. So they've made it clear that like. He, he's just not going to be starting against lefties that consistently. Yeah. To your point about Fraley, same situation. He also started mm-hmm. on Sunday against the lefty. That was his first time in six, seven, eight, nine, and nine lefty starters. So, um, yeah, both those guys get platooned, but they do a lot when they play that they can be a little fringy if, if your volume is hurting. But if you can take on a little bit of less volume and they don't have lefties coming up, I like both those guys. All right, and then the last bit of news here, or actually two more bits, excuse me. Garrett Whitlock going to have an elbow, uh, an MRI on his elbow. This stinks, man. He was going. uh, Things were looking better with Garrett Whitlock quite a bit here, and now I'm a little bit nervous about this injury. He's not on the IL yet. They're saying that it's not serious. We know how we feel about that with teams. He's expected to go on the IL. Are you holding Garrett Whitlock in shallower leagues? Like, let's say you got to make a move today. Do you, do you do you make the jump without the news, or do you do you hold and wait? Even if it ends up being bad news, you cut him the following week if, if you're in a weekly situation. And what are you doing with Garrett Whitlock? And this is a huge bummer, man. Like I, I said on multiple podcasts, I said in multiple articles that I felt like Garrett Whitlock was going to be like he was a budding ace. Like he was going to be a guy who won people fantasy leagues down the stretch. Like um, and that. Yeah, and that shallower league people should pick him up because they were going to be able to ride him to the end. 
Uh, and then this happens, and I think he's a drop. I think he's a drop in just about every format. Um, yeah. I can understand like waiting a week and just seeing him, you know, but I, these these injuries rarely turn out well. They almost always turn out with Tommy John, um, and that's just a huge bummer. And so, uh, well, we also have the break too, so this complicates things, um, you know, in terms of just erring mm -hmm. on the side of caution okay so they're almost certainly going to IL him right we kind of know that yeah. it's just a matter of the cut like if you could pick somebody up today I'm, I'm probably looking to do that for Whitlock so I hear you on on the cut and I wonder if, if you do still like him and you're hoping for the good news and everything maybe the composite numbers the 520 uh, ERA 523 ERA 132 whip maybe those will keep him on the wire even if there is good news that like he's going to come back after the break and you can maybe pick him back up, but you get a body for Whitlock this week. So I would make that cut in daily moves leagues as well. Uh, it is a bummer though, because I, I co-sign everything you say about liking him and thinking that he could be somebody really strong down the stretch. So yeah. we are cutting Whitlock there. Um, Tyler O'Neill is going to be starting a rehab and I'm sure that Ali Marmol will do something to try to derail it. Or I don't know. He, he hates his Trade game. him. Trade him. Please. Just get him out of town. Like, you Please know, like. do that. But he's only 44% rostered at Yahoo. So he's available in shallower formats. Are you jumping on O'Neal right now as a pickup? Or are you going to play the wait and see game with Tyler O'Neal? He's had a rough season. Obviously, there's some consternation there with he and Marmol. Um, so it's a weird situation, but do you like O'Neal on the rehab? Are you jumping him early or are you waiting? Uh, I think I would jump him early, just just to be on the same side. I do think he's going to get moved. Like I think, I think he's one of the guys that the Cardinals can pretty easily move, uh, even if they want to kind of still try to compete exactly. uh, towards you know. Um, but they can get like a little bit of reinforcement. I you know I mean, uh, I don't know what you know. Maybe the Rangers make sense. Uh, as a team that's got a lot of pitching, uh, and you know, and uh, but you know, maybe want to add a little bit of defense in the outfield and another power bat in, into that lineup. So, uh, yeah, I, I would Travis Jankowski a good bit. Um, you know, no, Robbie Grossman's good. been on that, you know, yeah, train, like, and yeah, so that that is a good call for a potential upgrade there to put O'Neill in. Um, and then, like you said, maybe they can get a pitcher that has some viability for this year so that they're not totally throwing things away for the Cardinals because I I don't think that they you know we've talked about not burying them because the central won't run away from them I think the the organization sees that too it's like we're still kind of in this although I do think it has crept up to 10 uh to a 10 it's a nine and a half nine, nine and a half, half okay. right now so you know they're avoiding that double digit threshold and if they go into the break down like six or seven you know if they have a good week this week they're gonna see themselves as fully in it so i agree i think i jump o'neill now where you need him uh only five outfielder leagues so i'm not jumping him in three outfielder leagues just yet all right yeah. let's talk about some buy low sps these are guys with quality skills you know we love the strikeout minus walk ratio uh it's a great key indicator as a one-off stat to look at and get a really good vibe on somebody but they have terrible results right now these four and i want to know if you're interested in buying them and if so what formats let's start with a guy who's been agonizing all year and we have talked about at different times patrick sandoval man i ended up cutting him in the main a while ago because i was just tired of my whip getting kicked in the teeth every time he pitched even the games where he did have a decent era uh it was it, weirdly this year it would come with no k's and a bad whip 
So he's at 457 ERA, 149 whip on the year, but the K rate's down to a career worst 18%. Over the last 30 days, he has a 15% strikeout minus walk rate, which is up from his 9% for the year and better than his mark last year, which was 14%. But it's a 711 ERA, 405 Sierra. So you got the skills versus the results. Is Patrick Sandoval somebody you think could have a big second half that you might want to jump on right now and bet on these skills? Or is he same old, same old, annoying-ass Patrick Sandoval who you can't trust start to start? He's same old guy. This is who he is. I mean, like, That's you look at him. the – yeah, you, you look at, like, the lines, and, like, it was, you know, start off the month of June, uh, three to third versus Houston, five earned runs, uh, five uh, – innings uh five earned runs versus seattle then a good really good start you know blanks kansas city for six straight innings you know but even in that good start he walked four like even when he gives Always you good something. stuff he yep. also slides you a bag of shit you know like it's just you know? yeah even when he serves up a steak it's like not mm-hmm. seasoned right there's always something missing with sandoval this year and it's it's sandoval He's the toddler that, like, like when he's being sweet to you, you know they've done something. Oh, yeah. You're like, like you, you know you're going to you walk around and be like, oh, man, like. A shit-filled pull-up is you, waiting around the corner yeah. for you. Or, or they drew all over your wall. Or, like, you know, like, they did something, and that's why they're being sweet to you. That is Patrick Sandoval in a nutshell. That's a perfect analogy. Sorry, caught me taking a drink there. But, yeah, that's the perfect, uh, perfect way to put it with, with him. So, I root for him. He's somebody I want to see do well. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I cut him back on June 11th. I don't really recommend people picking him up right now. Um, you can keep an eye on matchups, maybe stream him. But right now, he's a traditional streamer at best. A guy we've never talked about on this pod. I think we should probably start yeah, bringing we, him up We more should bring often. him up, yeah. His name is Kyle Gibson. G-I-B-S-O-N. Do you know this guy? Mm-hmm. You heard of him? Uh, I have. I, have I think it's Kylie. This. Kylie Gibson. Mm-hmm. You're right. Best pitcher. No, Kyle Gibson, uh, our boy. You know, obviously he's a, a, a meme, you know, an institutional meme on this podcast. But he is pitching well lately with his results. 16, or excuse me, with his skills. 16% strikeout minus walk. That's pretty damn good for Kyle Gibson. But it's a 684 ERA with a 405 Sierra. Uh, so it's a deep league situation there that you would even be interested in such a Sierra because his whip is high. Uh, he's been up and down this year, but he does have eight wins. Can we give him some credit for that uh, over his 96 and two thirds? Is there enough here that you would want to spec on Gibson or is he a standard streamer at this point too, where you're just playing him in the best deep league matchups at home, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I think you're playing best deep league matchups at home. Um, there's not a ton in the profile. I mean, he he definitely got really unlucky in his last two starts. I mean, he had mm-hmm. over he had an over 500 Babbitt versus Seattle, uh, where he gave up five uh, earned in uh, in three innings, and then he had a uh, a 500 Babbitt versus Cincinnati last time out. Um, no, he's also pro- hit by them a little bit, by the way. Yeah, but he was also protected at home in both of those starts. So yeah. like. You know, like, that's the thing. Like, he's still giving you those results even when he's at home. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's a home streamer for the most part. I, I think he's got a two-step this week, and I'm rolling out um, at, at New York, at Minnesota. At the Yankees, I, at Minnesota, two lineups that are sputtering. I know it's not in Baltimore, but is there any love for Gibson? Like, the, um, who are we just saying, oh, would you cut Whitlock and scoop Gibson in a daily moves league? 
Let's say let's say fifteen. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't know. Gibson's even available on a fifteen teamer, but uh, fair considering considering you know what's available on the wire right yeah, now yeah, in a yeah. lot of those you're, leagues. But you're right. You're right. But that being said, like I, I would not, I would not make that move if I had that opportunity. I okay. think I would just hold on to Whitlock. Um, you know, I, I did something, and I, you know, I kind of briefly talked about it prior to the recording. Like, I targeted a lot of the guys that are going to be coming off the IL here pretty soon in Fab this week. Like, um, you know, I picked up Brandon Lau in a bunch of leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. I picked up Chris Sale. Uh, I picked up uh, Ed, uh, Edward Cabrera. Um, it was a know, stash kind of week. I was going for some of those guys. I'm poor, as I talk about every week, so I could only go so far yeah. with it. But it was a stash kind of week. A, not a lot of great options. B, we're going into the break, so things are kind of in flux. And C, maybe probably the most important, so I could flip these in terms of order of importance, a wave of guys just came off the IL, creating yeah. spots for a bunch of teams. So if you had a couple guys IL'd and you got you know, your, your, your guys back, now you feel comfortable maybe putting a stash. So um, you, obviously you got those guys across different leagues. Did you get anybody more than once from those stashes? Yeah, Brennan Lau. Um, I mean, Seizure Cron, not really stash, but uh, Chris Allen, a few uh, few leagues. Um, but the reason I bring this up in relation uh, to a guy like Gibson, um, the reason I had to start him in a few leagues was I didn't have. I, I picked up so many IL guys in some leagues. I didn't have any other healthy boxes inside of throw Gibson into my lineup and just go. I know in you know two weeks, you know after the All Star break, like these, some of these guys are going to be back and my team's going to be fully healthy. And maybe I even move on from Gibson. But uh, you know, yeah, I mean th- that was kind of you know the strategy I kind of briefly talked about with Jason was like, hey, now's the time and next week is the time to go pick up those IL stashes so or, or prospect stashes. Uh, you know, in your leagues to kind of try to make a little push as opposed to having to pay a lot of money down the stretch. Like outside of spending, I picked up in one league, I picked up Cron uh, and Chris Bryant um, and I Ooh. spent 70 bucks on each of them. And I'm not even using this week because they've got a five game week on the road. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, technically they are stashes, but uh you know, like, but like, I think now is the time. Like, hey, go grab some of these stash targets um, and, and hope that uh, you know everybody's healthy and ready to go once the All Star breaks over. I totally agree. Uh, by the way, one last thing on Gibson. I agree with our principle of try to start him at home as often as you can. He has been better on the road this year. 519, 152 at home, 422, 126 on the road. However, the core skills are better at home. He has an 8.3 K9 at home, 5.7 on the road. So, you know, there is that push pull there. And he does have four wins, both home and away for the eight that he has on the year. So I don't hate him this week. I'm actually going to go the other way on the Whitlock thing. I think I would make that move, depending on who's available, of course. But like you said, and you were right to point out, 15-teamer, he's not that available anyway, just going off the NFBC main event, which is not the end-all, be-all. But uh, it does have uh, a 91% roster rate for Kyle Gibson, and those are 15-teamers. So I also want to point out that um, you say he's been better uh, on the road. And this is, this is true. This is statistically true. 11 of his 25 earned runs were given up in his last two starts at home. Oh my so goodness. So coming into these last two starts, he was much better at home. 
Yeah, so um, st stick with that as the general idea. Again, I yeah. think you can maybe get away with this week because Minnesota and the Yankees are struggling, but I still think your best bet with Kyle Gibson in the leagues where he's applicable is to start him at home. Uh, all right, moving on to the next one is a teammate of his, Dean Kramer, actually doing some things that uh, that look a lot better on paper, at least as far as his results. Uh, God dang, I keep saying the wrong thing. As far as his skills, the results are the problem. He's got a 20% strikeout minus walk rate over the last 30 days for Dean Kramer as the K rate is actually uh, really pushing up. But he's put up a 658 ERA in that time, 383 Sierra. So it's like you see some decent things there. Problem is he's a big fly ball guy. And when the mm -hmm. homers go out, even if you have a good strikeout to walk ratio, you can get burned. Four of his last five outings, multi-home run efforts. Two, two, three, and two. So that's really doing a lot of the damage here is Dean Kramer with the newfound strikeout rate. Is there any interest there, or is the home run volatility just make him too scary? Um, so I think it sees the, uh, the three true outcome version of a pitcher. Yeah. He either strikes, strikes him out, gives up a home run, or walks them. Like he, that, that's all he that's all he does uh no i don't want that like i like he gave up five home runs in his last two home starts like like a place that makes home runs more difficult to hit in um this and is like with with those two teams seattle minnesota aren't they both right-handed heavy so they're taking well actually minnesota's a little bit more lefty heavy but i think seattle's pretty righty heavy and they take the brunt of that home run issue in Baltimore, and he still found a way to give up five homers to them. Dean Kramer did. So your point is well taken there with Kramer. Yeah, no, no real interest. I mean, he's a guy that I've got rostered in one of my dynasty leagues right now because I'm actively trying to, like, tank my ratios. Yeah, while getting <laughs> I remember you told me that. <laughs> there was somebody else you picked up where you're like, yeah, I'm picking up. Oh, I picked up. I, yeah, uh, last week I streamed uh, Connor Siebel and That's uh, right. Michael Lorenzen. That's right. Uh, <laughs> to both, face each other. Yeah. yeah, both pitching in Colorado. And I was like, Colorado. why? Like, I'm trying to lose. I said, okay, well, then that's a great move. Um, this yeah. guy just became more topical because we have our annual Clayton Kershaw IL stint here. And I'm not saying he, he doesn't have anything going on, but it is perfect timing that it's right by the break so he kind of gets that extendo without missing as many games uh, michael grove does have a 17 percent strikeout minus walk rate over his last 30 days with a 686 era but a 410 sierra are you giving grove another shot here in uh, in kershaw's stead or has he just been too scary in the 37 innings that we've seen from him to jump in there he also has a big home run issue by the way i mean he had one bad big homer game. Like he gave up four home runs against the White Sox. Like that, other than that, other than that, he gave it up. Yeah, he gave up four total home runs in the thirty-two innings. You know, other thirty-two other innings that he's pitched in the majors. So like it's you know it, it's not as big of a home run issue as the numbers would suggest. He also does a decent job of you know not putting too many guys on base via the free pass. Uh, you know, he's been running with a pretty high BABIP and a pretty low strand rate. 59% yeah. strand rate is super low. 351 BABIP is pretty high. Um, yeah, I think he will be much better. And I do like him as kind of a off the radar streamer while Kershaw is out. The problem is, I assume once Kershaw's back, he goes back down. And what if he you excels, know, though? Is there any world? Maybe where Gonsolin, like. 
That's exactly what I was going to ask. Does he push Gonsolin maybe? Because they've relieved Gonsolin before. He's not he's not somebody yeah. who's like a stalwart. And uh, he has a 369 ERA, 111 whip. So the surface stats look good. But he's got a 9% strikeout minus walk rate. He's riding a 215 BABIP is Gonsolin right now. So I wonder if there's anything Grove could do in this interim period here with Kershaw out that maybe Gonsolin's the one who gets pushed when Kershaw returns. I don't know for sure. I would probably bet against it if I had to place a bet, but I do like Grove, and then you just kind of see what happens. Uh, Travis Jankowski just missed a fucking ball that cost Will. I, I mean, it was it was a pretty hard catch, so not really his fault. But but it was a tough one. I can't believe that um, Houston might lose that game, by the way. They were no, up, I, like It's tied now. It's tied. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't, yeah. I can't believe that. I truly oh, can't oh, believe that. that I mean, Texas, uh, they're about to win it right here. They just, Will Smith blew the save. Uh, damn it. Damn. That's been that's been a crazy game. 12-11, top nine. Um, I mean. Houston batting. That is, that is nuts. I, you know, they must have heard that Sirius switched over to football coverage, and they're like, hey, if we if we put up double-digit points each team, maybe we'll get talked about on Sirius XM now. It'll look like a Cowboys-Texans game, and we can yeah, get in there. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's do three up, three down. And I, I'm I'm hitting your wheelhouse here with this first one. I, I know you're going to be excited to talk about your boy. And by the way, I don't think there's been a loser in our little uh, our little bet between the two. They've both been excellent. Uh, the Fraley TJ Friedel uh, little you know back and forth that we had. We both liked each mm-hmm. other's guy, but we had our our favorite. I was Fraley, yeah. your Friedel. But your boy Friedel is cooking right now. Since coming off the IL, I think it was June 10th is when he returned. 304 average, three homers, six steals. I mentioned earlier with Benson, you want a piece of this lineup where you can get it. Of course, you would love a piece at the top of the order, which is where Friedel's batting. I think he's way too available at Yahoo type leagues, 63% rostered. I know you agree with that. So talk to us about what Friedel's been doing and what you see over the second half. And should he be 20, 25 point, uh, 20% higher uh, roster rate? I think he should be in the 80s. Um, yeah, like he's just been unreal good since uh, since coming back off the IL, like you mentioned. Um, and it it's hard because like, <laughs> I've been thinking like I tried to sell him this week actually. Um, really? In, in Tout Wars, we do have yeah, a lot. Like, he power, yeah. That's power, fair. and like I'm just not getting it. Um, but like earlier on in the season when he was doing well, prior to the injury, there were a lot of warning signs that okay, this is pretty fraudulent. This is going to come back down to earth. You know, the in-zone contact wasn't even league average. Um, you know, and that like he was getting pretty lucky on balls in play. Uh, and during this hot streak, that's not happening. He's no. making above average, you know, contact in the zone. Um, he's hitting the ball hard. The BABIP's only 300, which is totally fine. He's got a 15% strike rate, strikeout rate, a 12% walk rate. Like, everything is perfect. And like you mentioned, leading off, this is exactly what I was looking for um, earlier on, uh, you know, early in draft season, um, you know, and uh, – you know, when I called him this year, Cedric Mullins. And, I mean, he's not going to do what Cedric Mullins did the year that Mullins broke out in, in terms of, you know, like, what, a 30-30 season or whatever it was. Uh, but, like, yeah, he's probably going to be, like, a 15-30 guy, and that's pretty fucking crazy uh, considering where you got him in drafts. Uh, I, I do think he can keep up 
some some of this. And like you said, you want the that you want the top piece of the Cincinnati lineup. Hundred percent. And yeah, like he was out. So I understand if he got cut in some spots when he was on the IL, but he's back now and sixty three percent is too low. He's the thirty eighth ranked outfielder for the year, not just during this yeah. hot stretch. So that's top, you know, top forty, even in the three outfielder leagues when you factor in reserves. He should be rostered. So he's criminally under-rostered, I think, uh, TJ Friedel for the Cincinnati Reds. If he's available, get him. I think even via trade, I'd be interested because I don't think people are going to charge you crazily on the trade. So if you need more yeah. of that power speed guy in sneaky runs potential because that lineup is so good, I think TJ Friedel's your I mean, dude. I, I love TJ Friedel. I know how good he is. I've, I've had him all year. And, like, I all, I was trying to get J.D. Martinez, like, that would have been I felt like that trade, was a, though. you know, it was with Scott. That's Chill, a good offer. He, yeah, um, and Scott and I almost came to an agreement on a, a different, you know, it was, it was on, gonna be Scott. like a, um, but he 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 said he didn't feel confident with his his lead in home runs. So um, something about the pitcherless guys not wanting to trade with me. I don't know if they've got. I'm in their Discord. Maybe I should be like checking to see if like they're Just telling creeping people if not they're... to trade with me. Yeah, yeah, do, doing a name search, seeing if they're they're hating. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Nick won't trade with me. Scott won't trade with me. You know, how like dare that. they? How dare they? You're such a lovable guy too. They don't want to trade with you. Mm. Come on, they got to do. Think. Let's talk Cattell Marte. I don't think we've talked about him at all this year. Maybe in passing, but I went and checked, um, you know, his profile page to see if he was name linked from any episodes none this year so he's been under the radar for our discussion and he's having a 2019-esque sort of Cattell Marte season which we are now several years removed from it I still feel like oh 2019 that wasn't that long ago well yeah it's two plus seasons away and he had kind of been fine but not great since then Cattell Marte this year He's back. Already has more homers than he had in each of 21 or 22 with 15. Six steals, which we know he's always kind of wasted his great speed, which it might be a self-preservation thing, so I'm not I'm not clowning him for that, but he's always been cautious. Even he's getting in on the new bases, uh, on the new stealing rules with six steals. That's more than he had each of the last two years. 285 average, up 45 points from last year. Cattell Marte has been awesome. Five homers, 12 runs, 14 ribbies in the last 14 days. He's cooking. He's not really available anywhere, so this isn't about a pickup situation. It's more of like if you're talking uh, all-star sorts of trades, would you be buying in on Cattell Marte's surge here? Because this is a, another lineup where you'd like to get pieces if you could, that Arizona lineup, and Marte's been absolutely bl blasting fools. So what do you think of what he's doing? <clears throat> I love what he's doing. Um, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with his talent or his skills. The skills are impeccable. Above average zone contact, hitting the ball hard. He's running more than he has in years. Um, you know, I mean, he's you know he's likely to get the double digit stolen bases for the first time in quite a few years. So, yep. I know uh, where you're going with this. He always gets hurt. Like yeah. he just he always gets hurt, and like. And I know that I know that like it's so hard to project injury and things like that. But this guy hasn't finished a season in like three years, and it's tough. Yeah, ninety and one hundred thirty-seven games the last two years. Even in the COVID season, only forty-five of the sixty. Yeah. Even in the breakout twenty nineteen, the 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 monster season, only one forty-four. He just did so much damage in the those one forty-four that it it a totally full uh campaign worth of numbers but he still missed uh almost 20 games that year too so could tell Marte the health has been a problem he's not getting any younger even though he is only 29 by the way so that is nerve-wracking do you think you can bake that into a trade discount though 
or would you just Probably not trade not. for him because you're worried about the potential uh, injury? I I think I'm not trading for him because of the potential injury. Um, uh, you know what? He's healthy now. Like I maybe I am. I think you know. I think I. I think if I if I don't have to pay like full market value, you know, if, if somebody's willing to say that they think they're going to be selling high on him, maybe I would actually take the gamble. Um, I'm definitely not selling him right now. Like I'm no, just no, no, holding no. on and hoping to God that he stays healthy because, you know, even once Corbin Carroll comes back and he goes back to like batting second lineup, like you mentioned, like it's such a great lineup to be batting at the top of. You're getting everything from him: power, speed. Um, you know, batting average, like everything is there. You just gotta gotta kind of pray and hope that he stays healthy. And I, I yep. have zero faith it's gonna happen. But have like some faith. two ounce, two percent of faith. I just think that some people, or the majority of people who you're gonna try to trade with, aren't gonna give you like the value of where he's at now. They're gonna try to give you something closer to his draft day value, and I don't think that's fair. I think he's. What's- I, th- I think he's shown that he's, you know, probably a top five to seven second baseman right now. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's he's the 21st player overall this year on the player Raider. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking at second base eligibles, you've got Marte third behind only Mookie Betts and Marcus Simeon. So he's rolling. Let me give you some names. If, let's just try to make it a little bit easier here. Obviously, needs mm-hmm. will vary. But let's try, try to talk pitcher and, and discern a value for him. Would you take? Would you trade these pitchers for Marte if you need a nice bat here? Mitch Keller, thirty-first yes. overall player this year. Okay. Um, I get. I guess I'll ask because I don't know where you where you have them ranked. Either Cub, Marcus Stroman, or Justin Steele. Do you have Keller above them or below? Oh, I think that. Or is it split? I guess rank the three: Stroman, Keller, Steele, and then tell me which you would trade for. Marte. I think I would trade Steele. Um, I think I would trade Stroman too. I think I would go Marte, Stroman, Steele. Now these those three I don't think are getting as much attention for their greatness, and they're all top forty players this year on the player radar so far. This next guy is, but he is in their class. I think more so, um, but it, I think his recognition of Joe Ryan puts him on a higher pedestal but he's 36th ranked player steel 37 stroman uh 34 for for um uh, for the record would you do joe ryan for Catel Marte? or do you value I don't him think higher so. than that i group? think i think i think i value him higher can i press a little bit on as to why i'm not saying i disagree i'm just curious because I, I, I have the same perception. I have him like a class higher, but I wonder if the numbers – I mean, the numbers obviously don't bear that out because of where they're all ranked. Yeah, what, what, okay. Where, so where's our extra confidence in Ryan come from? Okay, so if I was really, really confident that Justin C was going to be healthy the rest of the way, I think I'd have him up well above all of them, to be quite honest. Okay, so but he's your favorite he, on an inning-to-inning basis, yeah, Justin C. Um, okay. But he, he had like an elbow issue that he just came back from – I'm really, I'm always really worried about elbow issues. Even when they come back and pitch well, which he's done, it still scares the crap out of me a little bit. So I kind of downgrade him a little bit. Uh, Stroman, as much as I love what he's doing, is very dependent on his infield defense to continue to carry him. They have Um, a good one in Chicago. They've got a fantastic one. I love what they've done there. But, I mean, you also have to kind of downgrade him just a tiny bit because 
his skills are dependent on other people, and that's not always reliable, as opposed to a guy who gets a lot of strikeouts, like, he's relying on himself, like, he's getting those strikeouts. And that's Um, a, by the way, real quick, that's a great one sentence summation of why we love strikeouts so much. Yeah. Right. Is because you just don't have to rely on the balls. And I know that's kind of obvious, but sometimes people might not. Oh, why do you always so strike out? Yeah. Everything's strikeout. It's because you don't have to rely on luck behind you and things to yeah. go your way. You're just dominating. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then again, Marte with the injury history, right? Like it's, so I feel a lot more confident that at the end of the season, I mean, outside of Stroman, that, uh, that Joe Ryan is going to be there, and Marte and Steele may not be there. Sure. So that's 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 why I go with Ryan on that one. Last one here. This guy's actually a good bit lower. He's ranked sixty one on the year, um, but or sixty nine actually, very nice. But his uh, perception, I think, is much higher than that whole group. Your very own Logan Webb. Would you do a Logan Webb for Cattell Marte deal? No. You wouldn't. You wouldn't trade Webb. Okay. Mm-mm. I don't think that's unfair, by the way. Um, is it the volume, the workhorse m- yeah. mentality with Webb? Yeah. I think that's where where I'm at, too. Um, and again, it depends on what your pitching is. We're just giving general ideas of, of where we're trying to go here. Now, I do think that, though, with Webb and Ryan especially, you might be able to trade them for Marte and get another piece. Exactly. Get a lesser pitcher back yeah. or something and, and, mm-hmm. and make it a two for one or even a two for two where you give a lesser you know something back with it too so yeah there's something there i like marte health is always a concern but the talent is awesome uh, anthony volpe who knew that some chicken parm would uh, turn his season mm-hmm. around even with austin wells uh he talked with his former minor league teammate and uh they talked about stance change they mentioned the chicken parm in the article so it's uh you know chicken parm is the magic bullet here for volpe he's hitting 370 with a homer and two steals in his last 17 games since this stance change and that famed chicken parm are you buying back in on Volpe here? I don't know if you were ever in, but are you buying in on this surge here? Can he have a nice second half to where we're trusting him across all formats, Anthony Volpe? Uh, yes and no. Um, okay. In in this stretch, the zone contact's gone way up. He's making a lot of contact in the zone. We know he can hit the ball hard. Um, we know he can steal bases. Like That's all good stuff. He still has like a 15% swing strike rate during this frame. So, like... Okay. Uh, and him not being at a 30% strikeout rate or like a 28% strikeout rate probably is a little bit fraudulent. Um, so like, I think he's probably getting a little bit uh, lucky there. He's definitely getting lucky in the Babbitt department. He's got 500 Babbitt, uh, since June 13th. So, um, that being said, like, this is his talent. Like, this is the kind of stuff we can expect him to go through. But I also think because of the swing strike rate and the swing miss, uh, that or where that comes from in his game, they're going to be these huge ups and downs. Enjoy yeah. the ride. But this is also why when we were talking about him struggling not too long ago, I was like, I'm not dropping him. I'm still holding on. In spite of the fact that I felt juice. he was over Matt. Yeah, and just, yep. he's too good. When they committed to not sending him out, which I said maybe they should do and just let Peraza have the better glove. Yeah, but once they committed to not doing that, the fantasy juice is too much to cut somebody like Volpe, even when he was hitting my body weight. Because, I mean, he has 10 yep. homers, 16 steals. And, you know, you just kind of take the average being bludgeoned to get that juice. And now he's hitting 221, which is still 
crummy, but it's a lot better, um, and he is surging of late. So yeah, hopefully you held, because now he's rolling. He's 54% rostered at Yahoo, so he's super available, and I'm sorry, I think even in shallower formats, you gotta get Volpe on the team. Uh, let's talk some three down here. We're gonna go to the pitcher side. One of the guys pitched today, I talked about how Christian Javier was somebody I did recommend today, saying, I'm gonna stick with him. I know there's been some trouble, but let's roll with it, because I got a comment. You know, Somebody was really nervous. They're like, I'm sitting him. I, I think you're wrong on this one, and shouts to that comment commenter. They were right. Um, coming into today, it was three of the last four that were rough. The one good one was six shutout innings, but with only two Ks against Washington, who we know don't strike out, but Javier usually gets Ks. The biggest issue is in those four starts coming into today, he had six total strikeouts with a 727 ERA. Um, well, he got four Ks today, but gave up eight runs. Uh, he looks like shit right now. The all-star break can't come at a better time for Christian Javier. Are you cutting him anywhere? Oh, I don't think you can cut him. Um, I don't necessarily either, but let's focus shallow here. Let's talk 10-teamers. Is that is that even in the cards for you? I don't think so. I just think he's – I think his true talent level is too good. Um, 37th SP coming into today. Obviously, that's going to go down, but even if that goes down 25 ranks, you know, we're still talking about somebody who should be rostered in most formats. Are you benching Javier? If you're in a daily leagues, obviously, um, he's got another start this week. It'll be this weekend against Seattle at home. Do you, do you, do you play Javier for that? Um, yes, I think I do. I think okay. Seattle hasn't been good enough where I'm, you're I'm, sticking with him. I think I'm sticking with him. Um, I mean, I think there is like, there needs to be like a pitch mix change. He's throwing the fastball just way too much. He's becoming predictable. As Does he is. have enough pitches to make a pitch mix change? I think, I mean, he's got a curve and I think he's I got know. a chain. Like, I mean, uh, like, come on. Like, he's, I know he doesn't throw them very much. I know he's yeah, fastball. Yeah, yeah. But this is also like the big issue that we talk about with these two pitch guys, right? Bingo. Like, you know, it's like why Brady Singer sucks. Like, it's like, you know, and so I ignored about it. him. Um, me too. Um, but like, you know, you're throwing your fastball 60% of the time. Like, they're just going to wait for you to throw the fastball. Like, it, it, like, it's a good fastball, but it's not a great fastball. And the velocity is down on it, which is a big thing. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I would cut. I would sell low, though. You would sell low on Javier? Yeah. Okay. Um, I am worried that something's wrong. I think that's um, that's fair. I wonder if we'll get a phantom IL. Not not even phantom, but like can uh, they though? Right now, they've got Framber who's about to go on the IL too. Like this is a you know, and a team that's already down in the division. Like yeah, they're they're already dealing with guys like JP France, who's been I mean, good, I guess, by the way. I guess they could right now, just like you know, because with the All Star, you know, break coming, he would right? he would miss. Yeah, with the All Star break, he'd miss one start. You know, and exactly. That's why I was thinking maybe. Yeah. Um, and then they just try to piece it together, give a spot start to somebody in AAA, maybe do a bullpen. Ronel Garcia or something. Yeah. Yeah, Ronel Blanco. Blanco uh, has, been, has been really good there. Or I mean, not has been really good, but he's he's been up and pitching. So I don't know. They might go with that with uh, with Christian Javier. Let me ask you on a few names here. Would you take like? Would you take somebody we talked about the other day who's surging? Tommy Pham. Is that too low? No, I think that's okay, too low. Okay. I just I, I, want, I want to get the bar real quick. Uh, would you take your boy Jared Kelnick? Who had a really nice week this week. Um, a little bounce back week. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like you should get more. Okay. Would but take... I also wouldn't say no necessarily. If that if that was the only offer after you shop, then... Kelnick is mm-hmm. the top of the list. You might you might do. I it. might do that. Yeah. Okay. What about buying low on Kyle Schwarber, who does have twenty two bombs? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, in his heart, he's hit. Yeah. He's hitting one eighty eight, but I think I would too, just because he mm-hmm. could hit twenty two more homers the rest of the way without yeah. blinking. Like it wouldn't even be hard. Okay, so. I'm a, I'm with you. I join you um, in terms of maybe taking taking a low deal for Christian Javier. You might not even have to go as low as as those first couple names I said. I, I think Schwarber, something like that, a struggling star for struggling star type of deal. I think that's um, a great. Yeah, I would do I that in a heartbeat. That's the way to go. I think uh, mm-hmm. Luis Severino might be another sell low for you, but you might not get much for him because things are rough. Uh, his last six starts have been particularly problematic, and they're bookended by seven earned run outings, including St. Louis thrashing him um, on the weekend here. 816 ERA in those six starts. Does have 24 Ks, but it's in 28 and two-thirds, so not even a K per inning. It's been rough. There's been glimpses, like six shutout innings against Texas. The start before the St. Louis one kind of probably got people thinking, oh, hey, that's really nice. That's a great team that he dominated. But this looks really bad right now. Can we trust Severino? You're holding him. You're selling low. Where are you at on Luis Severino right now going into the All-Star break? Mm. Um... I'm a little worried that the velocity was down. Like, you know, he was down to 95, where he's been, you know, 96, 97. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like a huge drop where you're going, oh, there's definitely something wrong, but it's definitely like a little red flag being waved in your face. Like, hey, something yeah. might be really wrong. Pay attention. Uh, yeah, especially because he was just so damn hittable. Um, and having, you know, he's had a lot of trouble this season with Watts, like, which is not what we necessarily expect from a guy and like he's not getting wins. You know? Yeah, 10% walk rate to your point and an 8% swinging strike rate, which is easily a career low. Like we could definitely point to like, oh, you know, his strand rates pretty, you know, it's pretty unlucky at 64%. Mm-hmm. But like at some point you have to stop putting people on the base pass. Like that's sometimes like, it's your own fault too. Yeah. Like, you just keep mm-hmm. putting guys on. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. I, I want to believe in Severino and, I think if I could get him low enough, I might just buy low just on the chance that he's okay. good, gets a little time off for the all-star break and comes back. But I also understand people wanting to move on from him. And I did get asked uh, uh, for a guy, I can't remember if it was a 10 or 12 team league. And, you know, one of his cut opportunities was like, it was like Clark Schmidt um, or Severino or somebody else. Who do you drop? And I said, drop Severino. Um, it's- and so feels weird to say that but i think i think yeah. you're right um as far as like trading would you take would you take like andrew vaughn could you even get andrew vaughn 248 12 homers 51 ribbies 40 runs for seven no, i don't think you yeah i don't i don't think you I don't can get, him, but... get him what about uh what about jorge mateo who's been a nightmare since april yeah yeah i think that's probably right in the right neighborhood <laughs> would you take that shot if you need the speed just take the yeah. Just take the SBs. Regardless. Uh, no, no. I think I would rather do it the other way. I think I'd rather trade Mateo. You're trying to get give Severino. Mateo. Okay. I, the problem with Mateo is they they keep adding young guys exactly. to this roster, where at some point there will not be places for him to play regularly, um, and we may already be at that point. Uh, to be quite honest, where like I don't think he's gonna play every day the rest of the way, but like I think Mateo is a like a designation candidate at some point. I like, totally agree. Do you know how many homers he so, has since May 1st? 
one. Zero. Oh, I overshot it. With ten, with ten ribbies. That's a 33 uh, ribby yeah. pace for the year. 12 steals. It's a 40 steal pace, but hitting 152. I mean, he's been a nightmare. Um, I think it was... I was going to say, I think it was Draft Cheat that mentioned this when I when I potted with him uh, for the Sunday episode one day. Um, but, like, we, we always are looking at skills, especially early on, because we're looking for reasons to believe in guys. Absolutely. But we... We have to, you know, I'm pretty sure he was the one who said it. I think he put it perfectly. It's like sometimes skills aren't like, like the underlying skills like don't stabilize and we can't exactly. like overreact early on. Because there are a lot of people going crazy over Jorge Mateo. Look at the new, look at these skills. They're great. Like, you know, I was getting I was, hard. I was feeling FOMO because I didn't get him anywhere because I wasn't paying the, the, the added price this year. Um, and he's a guy I've loved in the past, uh, mm-hmm. but I loved him because you could get him so cheaply. Um, and this year That's that exactly wasn't is. And I was getting cooked up a little bit. People saying, you know, you had him wrong. You were out on him. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, yeah, he looks great right now. And the skills, and I even said, it's like, if I'd have known the skills were going to change like this, yeah. but they haven't stuck. Um, and so it turns out, and I understand the inclination to do that. And you have to jump quick in today's game. So you see somebody putting up some skill changes for a two, three week period and they're popping off. You got to go get them. So I'm not saying that people shouldn't have picked up Mateo or whatever, but to draft cheat's point, you got to stay monitoring those guys. They aren't just yeah. that guy now going forward. And I think when it happens at the beginning of a year, we want to believe it for the rest of the year. Whereas if it had happened in mid-June, we talk about this concept all the time, um, around a, a crappy start, we'd have said like, oh, Jorge Mateo's hot, but we wouldn't have said that he's a brand new player. But when, when it's fresh at the beginning of the season, we let it misguide us, I think, a bit more is what yeah. i'll say there so uh yeah be careful there severino you might want to get out from under him mateo you might want to get out from under him too uh, mackenzie gore a guy you do like uh, we've talked up this mm-hmm. year is the magic running out a little bit he's up to a 448 era 147 whip basically the question here is are you sticking with him in deeper formats as a team streamer i think that's r- the real question because in 12s and lower i think he's a standard streamer he's been pummeled in uh three of his last five outings the other two by the way around that have been great so it's like destroyed at atlanta no shame there because it's atlanta but mm-hmm. great at houston destroyed home to st louis great at san diego and then destroyed at philly so the bad ones make sense the tough part is though you might have missed the good ones because you were scared of how bad he was pitching and Houston and San Diego, while neither is performing at their peak, they're still scary in their home park. So you might've missed all, even the good stuff here with Gore during this five-start run during which he had a devilish 666 ERA. So where are you at? Is he a team streamer anymore in 15s or is he just a standard streamer everywhere? Um, I think, I mean, I think he's definitely a team streamer in 15 teams like i, I don't okay. i don't or i mean like I, you can't drop it like we've talked yeah. about like the, there's just not enough on the waiver wire um you know and like i know st louis is like not been great this year but st louis can still hit lefties that's um, the thing too they still have a good lineup like they, yeah, they do i know it's not performing they're still a talented bunch though so i don't even yeah like uh, shit on him for for struggling against them yeah and so like I, I just kind of, I mean, here's the, thing, here's the thing. So one of the main issues with Gore has been, like, he walks too many guys. Like, even when he was performing really well, he was still walking too many guys. That sets you up for potential blow-ups, and that's kind of what's happened 
I think 100%. a little bit, you know, is that like, hey, you know, you 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 put too many guys on base, and then you have you know you lose command one day, which is bound to happen, and then it's gonna instead of it being a three run outing, it's a seven run out, um, and so. Uh, I'm not super worried. I did not start him this week because he was going to his home versus Cincinnati and they've just yep. been so good offensively. But had he had a better, you know, uh, matchup this week, I totally would have started him. I'm not, I, this does not change my opinion of Mackenzie Gore okay. that much. My biggest concern with him, even early on when things were going really well versus Gray, Josiah Gray, his teammate, was that he didn't fix his issue. Gray was actually addressing the home runs for his success yeah. but as you just said with gore he was still walking guys which is what made it scary but i agree he's a team streamer in deeper leagues a standard streamer in regular uh 12, 12s and lower um and i do still think he can have some really nice runs during the summer there's still talent here don't just throw him out completely despite these rough outings at philly there's really no shame in that at atlanta there's no shame in that and as we said even home against st louis their record sucks but their offense is still scary enough to get you and a couple yeah. homers there he did have eight in that game too so even even in that yeah. bad outing there was still something uh let's talk mm -hmm. to close the show today let's talk a little bit about next year's uh number one overall pick obviously it's not set in stone i'm not holding you to this or anything i just want to kind of see where you're at because we have some major standouts that are all vying for the spot i think there's a decent group here i think the two that immediately jump to mind will be of course acuna and shohei otani but then i think you also have to consider corbin carroll Fernando Tatis Jr., who's been unreal since coming back. And I want to put Mookie Betts' hat into the mix because he has a chance to be a triple-eligible monster. He's got 22 homers, 7 steals. Uh, it's a 45-homer pace, and he could have second, short, and outfield next year. He's only one game away at second, five games away at short. So there's a, there's a chance that he's triple-eligible. How do you feel about those five as the uh, the best candidates for the number one spot next year? Um, I don't know that Mookie quite belongs there, but I understand the argument, and especially if they add to this offense where he actually like has more pieces around him other than just Freddie Freeman uh, and Max Muncy. If they, if they had Shohei Otani, then then it becomes really really interesting when you've got that guy hitting behind you on on top of the other guys. So. Um, Oh, you do yeah. realize that Mookie's numbers are obscene, though, right? He's pacing they at 45 are, yeah. 14 with 130 runs scored. All right, so, maybe he should be in the car, yeah. So he's, I I think think he's for at least me, in the combo. He, I probably wouldn't take him either, but I wanted to highlight how amazing he's been. The problem is the other four are just several years younger, right? Each of them is a couple years younger, if not several years uh, younger than him. So we can put him off to the side. I want to give him his shine. He's probably more of a top five guy than a number one overall. Uh, that triple eligibility, though, is pretty hot. So let's focus more on Acuna, yeah. Otani, Carroll, and Tatis. Right now, you're picking for next year. Who do you take with the one spot? I think it's Acuna, but I think it's super close. Like I, th I, th I think this is going to be another one of those years where I want like the the seventh pick or something like that. Um, such because, yeah, because you're going to add in, especially like if we're talking like NFBC context, you're going to add in uh, a pitcher or two. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know which pitchers it's going to be necessarily, but the chances are you're going to get one of these five guys 
at pick seven and feel really, really great about your start either way. So yeah, because Strider um, could be up there. I think McClanahan. Mm-hmm. We got to see how Frommer finishes because he mm-hmm. with K's. Yeah, well, McClanahan will, or sorry, uh, Valdez probably won't be up there, and that's yeah, maybe he could. I think it depends if he holds the twenty six percent K rate all year. If he yeah. ends because because you know the volume was always helping his amazing, K's. Yeah. But now the K rate is up as well, 26%. So I think that could make him more in this combo than we would have thought. Now, I, I agree that he won't pass McClanahan and Strider. I think those will be your top two yeah. guys right now. And Cole, and Cole is still Cole, right yeah. there. Like, he's not going anywhere. Um, so to your point, having the, the sixth, seventh pick, you're going to get an absolute monster. Yeah. So looking at Acuna versus Otani, you say it's very close, but Julian Acuna, I totally get that. He has a chance to have like a, what, a 35-80, or like a 40-80 season. That's so silly, dude. He's at 21-39 already. That's that's absolutely obscene. Um and then Otani, you got the hitting and the pitching. It's just unreal. So I agree that those are the top two candidates right now. I probably lean Otani, but it's it's coin flip. What about for that next cut right there? Carroll versus Tatis. Where do you stand on those two? Mm, God, that's um I think I'd probably lean Carol. Um but I, you know, I always do worry a little bit about like the 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 second, you know, second season slump, the yeah, sophomore slump, the sophomore thing. slump after the um, obscene breakout year. Yeah, uh, but there's, I think for me at least, for I, I know he's been healthy. Like I, you know, since he came back from uh, from suspension, there's oh, there's going to be like this little thing in my mind, like oh, that shoulder, that shoulder, shoulder, on shoulder, and, shoulder, yeah. So. I think that may push him just like even past Mookie for me. Um, honestly, I may take Mookie over both these guys. Um, I, I don't think that's crazy, by the way. I, with I a triple eligibility, uh, potentially. Um, I mean, it's probably going to happen. And he's got 19 and I think 14 games. That's, you know, short and second. So, um, yeah, I think I'm probably going Acuna, Otani, Betts. Carol uh, Tatis. Tatis. I think I'm going Otani, Acuna, Carol Betts, Tatis. Yeah. I, that's, I, mean, I mean, that's an, an insane group right there, isn't it? It is. And I mean, the the really crazy part is um, like we have not, you know, like, and, and rightfully so, but like the top, you know, the four of the top picks this year were. Jose Ramirez, Trey Turner, uh, Julio Rodriguez, um, and who am I missing? Judge. Um, Judge. Not mentioned. We didn't even mention those guys. Yeah. And, you know, who's making his way way up the board? Wander Franco. Yeah. Where, what, 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 what might he do down the stretch to put himself here? Like right now, he's pacing for 1853 with a 283 average and under 100 runs and ribbies. So he's not quite there yet. But what if he has a big summer surge? I think he could put himself at least in the convo. And then that further underscores your point about having the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth pick and just taking what's left there. You, you, might, you, you might even want like 13, 14, 15. Because someone amazing is probably going to drop, and then you get a second guy, like because you know, like quicker. again, 
like we're, we're you know Juan Soto, like haven't talked about him. Um, you know, Luis Roberts been fantastic and oh healthy God, this year. He's been, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman has been fantastic this year. Like Bo Bichette, like in you know, like he hasn't been stealing the bases we wanted, but he's still been really really great this year. Like there are like you know, Radio Rosarena, my dude, who I said like. You know, I felt like he was a first-round value we're getting in yep. the second, third, and sometimes even Semyon's great Something again. Like, Semyon's great. Like, it's going to be a really good year to either be in the middle or the back of a draft next year. I'm really interested to see how, like, some of these second-half gladiator leagues are going on. Yep. Um, like, what the draft – like, we'll definitely have to talk about those when I get back from vacation um, because, uh, like, it'll be really interesting just to see, like, what direction people went in with those. I to- totally agree, and I'm actually going to participate probably in at least one of them and stream it. So I'm really eager to see I, how people I've got do a it. question for you because, yes. and I mean, obviously things can change, um, but almost all of these guys that we've talked, I mean, all the guys on the list outside of Otani um, and pretty much all the guys we've mentioned for the most part um, outside of brief mention of the, of the pitchers have been hitters. Is it going to be smarter to start with a first round pitcher next year Get that big edge because you know there's going to be some really great hitters in the second third rounds like yeah i, I mean I, I, I know a lot of people went away from pocket aces this year mm-hmm. because they felt that starting pitching was so deep but starting pitching has not been deep it has been no, quite the, the opposite it's been a the, nightmare the only thing saving it has been that prospect per week thing you know situation that's been happening which by the way we are going to talk about that group i've charted all their numbers from when they were picked up in the nfbc and we're going to kind of go over who who's done the best but yeah like what if you open strider at pick 10 and you come back around and get he won't be at pick 10. okay well, let's say pick six and then can you get could you get jose ramirez in the second round is there a chance that he falls to the second round maybe i think that, and i think like there, I think the, there's going to be an argument for that. Like, what about baseball's RBI leader Matt Olson with 68? He could be there in the second round for you, and you just get that pre- NL home run leader, MLB RBI leader, is Matt Olson. Um, so yeah, the talent is obscene right now, and it's really going to create some interesting dynamics with like KDS, which is Kentucky Derby style. When you pick your your draft spot, uh, the the machinations of that, I'm going to be really fascinated by. But I know you know. We're at the All-Star break. People are already going to be starting to do 2024 drafts, and I can't wait to see how those first rounds look. And then we still have a whole half season that's going to change things a lot too. And I I think Franco's my guy that I'm keeping an eye on that could really elevate himself into that group, yeah. especially if he has like a little bit of a power surge. So mm-hmm. it's always fun to talk about. Uh, on Friday, we will talk about some surprising All-Stars, some guys that, uh, that are really shocking to have made the team. I mean, they deserved it, but we want to talk about uh, what they look like the rest of the way given their preseason outlook and then that SP Fab review that I was talking about with all these rookies that came up. I think you're going to be surprised by some of these numbers. Some of these guys that were saying, oh, they've been a nice pickup. Not so much by the numbers. And then others have been really, really special. So we'll talk about that uh, on Friday. You do anything for the fourth? I'm going to the Giants game, actually, tomorrow. Oh, that's so awesome. we are, uh, it's, I think, a, a 1 p.m. game. We're driving down at like 8 o'clock in the morning, going to have breakfast, get to the park early. Uh, and then we're going to drive over to either Fort Mason or Christie Field to watch fireworks. So That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a whole day event. Uh, not something I don't think I've ever been to a game on 4th of July. So 
uh, look, kind of looking forward to that. Uh, hope the Giants can get a W. Kiddos yep. coming? Taking, whole fam? Yep. Yep, whole fam. You get Logan Gilbert going against your boys too so you get to see Ooh. a fun starting pitcher that'd be really the, fun yeah on the other end there and it looks like it's going to be keaton win for y'all and i'm I, you know what i'm really looking forward to your report on him because he's been kind of interesting um and i didn't know too much about i barely knew the name coming into the year so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be interested to well, see he wasn't him. supposed to be a starter this year he was no supposed to be a and so. that's the thing and he's out here putting up some decent numbers so i'll get i'll be happy to get your report on him we will talk friday but until then justin have a good one take it easy 